What are your expectations? I mean, we, we had a, just a wonderful time of worship this morning. Um, uh, if I don't prattle on too long, uh, we'll go back to some more of that. And we, ha- we have that, and then and, and Richard kind of encouraged us to say, all right, what's, what's God doing in the worship? Um, let's pray he doesn't stop now. That would be... <laughs> That would be really sad. It would be really sad for me. It would be really sad for all of us. So uh, I wonder what your expectations are. Every time we come to God's Word, uh, we should be expectant. So I would just in my... my this is not to do with the, the, the talk. This is just that this is for free, this one. So you don't get charged for this one. But I was reading this uh, the other day. This is Luke, uh, Luke 9, I think it was. Um, and this is the um, transfiguration of Jesus. Who understands the transfiguration? Great, Paul, you can come up here. Because uh, I've read it lots and I'm going, oh man. But I saw something fresh in it. Uh, I don't know how many times I've read it. it. I mean, over hundreds, hundreds of times. I've even, I've taught it in school. Uh, And uh, while Peter was speaking, a radiant cloud of glory formed above them and he overshadowed them. And as the glory cloud enveloped them, they were struck with fear. Then the voice of God thundered from within the cloud. This is my son, my beloved one. Listen carefully to all he has to say. So that's the father giving his son to us again he said that at uh, similar at the, the baptism you know this is my beloved son in whom i am well pleased so the transfiguration goes on and then there's various other things a little bit after that and it says in luke the next day they come down the mountain and uh there's a kerfuffle at the bottom okay spiritual word meaning a whole load of things going on but not much happening and uh, there was a father whose, whose uh, boy needed help. And uh, it was presenting as some kind of epilepsy. It, uh, it seems clear that Jesus discerned in this particular case, um, it was a demonic presence. Um, so Jesus uh, dealt with the, the, the issue. And then uh, uh, Jesus commanded the demon to come out of the boy and immediately it left. Jesus healed the boy of his injuries and returned him to his father saying, Here is your son. See, just in the transfiguration, they had heard the father say, this is my son. And then the next thing we have recorded is Jesus saying to a father, here's your son. Now, I just think that I'd never seen that before. I'd read this, at least if I had, I'd forgotten. And I've read this plenty of times. And it, it, it just excited me. I got really excited that morning, sitting at home. And uh, if I'd been a little bit like uh, David Tennant playing Doctor Who, I'd have got up and rushed around and said all kinds of clever things about it. But it was... That left most of you cold. You're obviously not Doctor Who fans. I tell you, you're really missing out. But uh, it caught hold of something within me. And uh, I just thought, that, ha- that can happen every time we come into the presence of God's, of God through his word. How many of us have that experience where that doesn't happen every time? Okay, maybe I'm the only honest one. There are a few honest ones amongst you. It doesn't always happen, but that's the, ex- 
well, that's the expectation we can have. And that's the expectation we can, we can have now. God's going to meet us right now. God's going to meet us right now. Well, I'm excited. I don't know about you. I'm excited. Um, we spent a whole year asking the question, what are we building? And uh, it's, it's kind of uh, fairly near the front of my mind because I've been thinking about it. But actually, we've been looking at that through the, the whole year. And we've been looking at what God's building uh, and what we're building, actually. What are we building was the, was the question. And it was based on this idea in 1 Corinthians where... Uh, Paul's saying that the work that we do, the things that we build with, the materials that we choose, they'll be tested. And the stuff that's any good, that's going to withstand the the testing. And the stuff that we sometimes build with, which is just rubbish, that won't withstand the testing. And we looked at what we're building ourselves, in, in ourselves. What we're building here in the church and what we're building in the city. And, uh, Some of that will continue into next year. But one of the things that, in particular, we've looked at recently is about building in ourselves and about building big people. So we've looked over the last three months, I think, at uh, us becoming and understanding that God wants us to be big people. You know, sometimes we think the focus is just to to build a big church. I was in a, a, a big church last week, and it was big. It was very different from being here in, in this gathering, and it was, wasn't their only gathering. They have a lot of gatherings on, on a Sunday. It was big. But it reinforced to me, really, that God's about making us big. Big on the inside. Big so that we can, we can carry a lot of him. The bigger we are, the more of him we can carry. So I have good news for us this morning. Big people do not diet. This is my Christmas message. Big people do not diet. Okay, does anybody think that's a good word from God? That got the most response this morning. Well done. Thank you. I'm glad some of you are with me. Um, oh, hang on. Uh, there's a trouble with using one of these devices that uh, it does something unexpected. You rectify what it's done that's unexpected, and then you lose your, uh, your place. Uh, there we go. Okay, now I'm back in business, I think. In the first chapter of Luke, there are three people that are focused on, and they're all pretty important to this um, event that we're we're coming up to, to celebrate. And I want to look very briefly, very briefly, at two of them and to see how they responded. And the first one I want to look at is Mary. Uh, most of you know the story, I suspect. Um, and you, you'll know enough of the story to know what's going on. So once she has become pregnant, she goes to visit her cousin, Elizabeth. And uh, Elizabeth sees her, her, her baby, Elizabeth's baby, reacts within her because God prophesied, uh, the angel told her that her baby would be filled with the Spirit uh, before it was born, be filled with the Spirit in your womb. And so it's the Spirit of God responding in John, in Elizabeth's womb, to the Spirit of God in, in Mary's womb. So it's all confusing with uh, all these wombs and things. But um, it's confusing for me, believe me. 
But then Elizabeth prophesies over Mary. And one of the things she says is this. Great favor is upon you, for you have believed every word spoken to you from the Lord. Great favor is upon you, because you have believed every word spoken to you from the Lord. Gabriel prophesied to her, great favors upon you, Mary. And Mary went, oh, wow. You know, and uh, I heard Simeon speak the other week, actually, and he was talking about, well, she got great favor, but then she got pregnant out of uh, her married relationship, and then she got potentially, uh, there's the potential to be rejected by her family and her peers and everybody, and for her lifetime, she would have carried that, that stigma, and nobody would really have understood, because Mary was saying, no, it wasn't a man. It really was the Holy Spirit. And they're all going, yeah, we know. But great favor was upon her because, why? She believed every word God had spoken to her. So if we're growing as big people, if we want great favor upon us, it's easy. It says so here. We just have to believe every word spoken to us from the Lord. Well, that's really simple, isn't it? Very, very straightforward. Anybody got any problems with that? Great, okay, we can move on to the next point. Maybe that's kind of be the easiest talk I've done in ages. So, um, we move on from Mary. She's a woman carrying great favor. She's believed what God spoke to her. Remember what God spoke to her? Something completely ridiculous and outrageous and beyond her expectations. She didn't go over it in her head, it appears. I mean, she pondered it, but she did accept it straight away. What would have happened if she said, no, don't fancy that. Can you go and find somebody else? How about that, that girl next door? She's, she's great. What would have happened? Where would we have been? All those nativity plays messed up. Zechariah is the other character in this. And uh, Gabriel also appears to Zechariah. You ever wonder what Gabriel does the rest of the time? I mean, he's, he's busy at Christmas, but the rest of the time we don't hear about him. He's probably up there fighting angelic battles or or something like that. Um, Let me read a bit about Zechariah. Uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were from a family of priests, um, being direct descendants of Aaron. They were both lovers of God, living virtuously and following the commands of the Lord. But they were childless since Elizabeth was barren, and now they were both quite old. One day, while Zechariah's priestly order was on duty and he was serving as priest, it happened by casting lots according to the custom of the priesthood, that the honor fell upon Zechariah to enter the holy place and burn incense before the Lord. If he didn't realize it, this is probably the only time it happened to him in his entire life. This was a really rare thing to happen to each individual priest. Um, Let me just clarify that. Uh, A large crowd of worshippers had gathered to pray outside, so there was, it was kind of a big moment. There's Zechariah. He's the man of the moment. He walks in to burn the incense. There are a big crowd of worshippers outside, and they're all thinking, yeah, we're going to please God, and wonderful things are going to happen, and it's going to be good for the nation, and all that. And Zechariah's in there, and he knows what to do. He's been, he's been taught it since he was a child. He knows the, the procedure to, to go through. But then Gabriel turns up again and messes the whole business about. And starts talking to Zechariah. I can imagine a a comedy sketch about Zechariah and Gabriel. And Zechariah saying, no, no, not now. Not now. I'm busy. Okay? Come to me another time. Zechariah was startled and overwhelmed with fear. 
uh, I suppose so. It must have been fairly kind of awesome, imagine, fairly sort of dramatic happening. Uh, but the angel reassured him. Oh, that's nice. Saying, don't be afraid. So you can, you can tell it was horrible because the angel said, no need to worry, everything's okay. That happens so often, doesn't it? Angel turns up and says, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. It's like when uh, I was teaching and uh, you go over to a, a child and say, can I have a word with you? And immediately they got this look on. You know, I say, it's okay, you're not in trouble. It's the same thing. Angel t- if an angel turns up and says, don't be afraid, or if an angel turns up and says, be afraid, then believe me, be afraid. I have come to tell you that your prayer for a child has been answered. Now, there is good reason to suppose that this can be translated, your prayer that you have stopped praying has been answered. This is an old man. He has an old wife. They probably stopped praying about people, about her getting pregnant a while back. Okay, you with me? Don't need to go any more because there are teenagers present. I don't want to give them the wrong idea. Okay. They've stopped praying, but they're praying. Bless you. They're praying. You finished? There's room for another one. No? Okay. God had heard those prayers and he stored them up. See, quite often we use it as a bit of a cliche, no prayer is wasted. But this, these people were, were crying out for an answer. They had prayed and prayed and prayed, and nothing had happened. So what's their conclusion? We can pray, and if things don't happen when we expect it, or the way we expect it, we can just give up, can't we? We stop praying. And it's internally, the sorts of things we we can justify that with are, oh well, you know, it was the wrong prayer. It wasn't a prayer that God wanted to answer. Or uh, maybe it's not God's timing. Well, that may be true. It clearly wasn't God's timing for Zechariah and Elizabeth. But if it's not God's timing, why stop? Let's just keep praying until it happens. Uh, What do those bracelets say? P-U-S-H, pray until something happens. The something happening is not you getting bored of praying or you giving up, okay? That's not what it means. Zechariah and Elizabeth, your prayers have been heard. The prayers you no longer pray. Now, let's go back to Mary. The favor of God was on her. Why? Because she believed everything God had said to her. Zechariah and Elizabeth stopped praying. Why? Because they didn't believe what they sensed God saying. They looked at their circumstances. They looked at their aged bodies. And they concluded that it was no longer possible for God to answer their prayer. Okay, that's my talk done with. Really, what have we given up praying? What have we given up praying? 
What have we given up praying? You see, I suspect that Zechariah and Elizabeth didn't even remember what they'd given up praying. Gabriel turns up and he's speaking to Zechariah and he says, the prayer you no longer pray is answered. And Zechariah goes, "Uh, which one? Which one, God? I've got my list here. Got my prayer list and all the ones I've crossed. Oh, hang on, let me just run through them. Was it no, 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 no? Was it for a Lamborghini? No, they haven't been invented yet. Um, Gabriel was really specific. I can imagine in that moment what went on in Zechariah's heart. So it's quite a poignant day for me to be sharing this today. It would have been Anne's 60th birthday. Yay! Happy birthday! That's all right. That's all right. Um, for those that don't know, that's, uh, that was my wife. Um, uh, and I did think, oh, you know, should I speak on, on this day? And I thought, yeah. Do you know why I want to, wanted to speak on this day? Because I don't want the enemy to gain more victories. Yeah. I don't want him. I mean, he didn't gain a victory. I mean, he, you know, he won, he won a battle. But he's lost the war. And we're in, we've been selected, chosen, brought into the army of the victor and there's no reason for him to have his way by us giving up on our prayers if you've held something in your heart and this doesn't have to be for um you know you don't have to be my age to be this 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 can happen when we're when we're quite young you know we can pray for things just for a couple of weeks and then it's not working and because we haven't got anybody to say no keep going keep going Keep going, keep going. I discovered a, uh, a year and a bit ago, God was interested in something that, that I'd held in my heart for 40 years. 40 years. You didn't even think I was that old, did you? <laughs> How can you have been praying for 40 years, Graham? Well, I started early. So uh, what... It's as though the room is filled with, um, uh, they're like, uh, they're like uh, uh, cloth, they're like drapes, they're like drapes that are filled with, with God's blessing. And uh, if those drapes are, are released and punctured, that, that blessing will, will flow down onto everybody and when we stop asking God to do that then nothing happens because there's no instruction from us that can be taken that God can release it does that make some sense it's like there's just this huge canopy canopy that's a good word canopy over us I I, I don't see it but I feel it I really feel it, and I've felt it actually for ages since this, this word was kind of birthed in me. And I feel as though God simply wants us to go back to our prayers and just to say, Lord, I'm going to carry on praying for this because this is what I want. See, for some of these things, there'll be, there'll be dreams of God's goodness in your life that you have just left because you can't believe it anymore. Things that, that lift your experience of God out of the ordinary. 
the release of the miraculous, the release of blessing into families, the release of, of the resources to be able to, to do things. How many of us here in this room have family members we've been praying for for decades? Okay. How many of us in this room have um, physical conditions that we've been praying for for ages? How difficult is it sometimes to, just to keep pressing in for those? To keep pressing in. It takes courage sometimes because every time we press in, we're faced with this question that the enemy taunts us with. Ah, but it hasn't happened yet. And you know what the answer is? Shut up. Just shut up. Shut up and watch this. Um, after Anne died, I, I had quite an intense kind of time with... Uh, uh, and it would happen particularly in worship. And, uh, and, and I felt... I think I've shared this before, but I, I felt as though the enemy was sort of taunting me, saying, didn't work, didn't work, all that praying, didn't work, all that posturing, all that faith, didn't work. And I, it'll sound ridiculous, but I mean, I, I literally, and often through tears, I would just say, shut up, sit down and watch. And then I would just turn and face Jesus. And that was easy. I mean, facing him and worshipping, that, that bit was easy. And I don't know whether he stayed to watch or not. I don't care. Um, but I do care that he doesn't gain a victory through it. Um, he's going to lose a lot of ground this morning because we're going to start praying again the things that we have stopped praying. So that's why Tom's back up here. I'm going to invite you to stand. Um, we've got some minutes left. We're going to worship. And in your worshipping, um, do, you, do you want everyone, Tom, do you want everyone else? Yeah, he'd love, he'd love you all. Yeah, just come and jump on in. The rest of the guys in the band. There is, there is something really serious about what we're, what we're about to do. Because we're, we're acknowledging that uh, sometimes we don't believe everything that God has said to us. And we're, we're simply readjusting ourselves. We're realigning ourselves. We're saying, okay, I recognize that's true. We don't have to go through a whole big kind of repentance thing. Just say, Lord, I'm sorry. But right now, I'm setting myself to believe. I'm setting myself to respond to what you have put within me. See, that's how the Word of God works. It's a seed and it gets planted in us and a seed takes time to grow. And there are lots and lots and lots of stages of growth of these seedlings. So, Tom. <laughs>